Hello, everybody, and thanks for joining Kyle and myself. Um, this is the RCC's podcast, Fuel the Conversation. A podcast for fuel people, by fuel people. Today we are joined by a special guest named Justin Bragelman. He is our IT manager here at Rural Computer Consultants. Hello, Justin. Thanks for having me. You bet. So before we get started, Justin, talk to us a little bit about the role you have here at RCC. Uh, well, I've, I've got a few. Um, I do a little bit of project management with um, the tech support team, uh, handling the cloud infrastructure, planning some of those things out, uh, working with customers, larger customers that need special configurations, making sure that it's compatible with their environment, being a liaison between the tech support department uh, development and our fuel support department, and making sure that we assist with any errors, uh, configuration, system setup, uh, troubleshooting, things like that, whether it's network, printer, software, uh, moving along those lines. Yeah. Very good. So, yeah, so today's uh, podcast is going to be about cybersecurity. But before we jump right into it, can you give us a little brief description? What is cybersecurity? It's it's a fairly complex subject, and it's evolved over years as we see more um, ransomware and, and email, and the definition has kind of changed. Uh, but it really comes down to protecting information, personal information, identity theft, um, as, as well as you know, damage from, from the malware that you see on the news articles and, and things like that, like the, the colonial pipeline. And that sort of thing is what you're trying to protect. Um, and it takes a lot of tools to do it. And, and, and in their case, I, I'm not, I don't have any specific information on what happened in that case, but a lot of it comes down to email. Speaking about email, I just got an email right now saying that they want me to click on this link. Apparently, I'm missing out on some great uh, opportunities for some free money. And that's actually one of the things that causes uh, a lot of infiltration on a network or a system or whatever you're trying to protect. Uh, the, the idea is to coerce you to, to click on a link, maybe enter some personal, identi personal identification um, whether it's a, a, a login maybe that you use for your email, they're going to try to convince you to do something that seems fairly routine. And the best way to protect yourself from the, those kinds of things are always be suspicious, do your due diligence. Is this really the person that you're expecting an email from? It might not be the, the right person, or they maybe have had their account compromised. And that's actually more likely now as we see more social media and people responding to these online questionnaires or little quizzes or fun games where they ask your first child's name or your favorite color or maybe the city you were born, uh, your first car or maybe your favorite car. And those questions often pertain to a response to requiring or requesting a new password. So if you say, I'm going to log in as Freddie today and I know that his first child's name was Edward, Okay, now he's got his first car is a, a blue car. I can I can fill out these questions because I'm finding those responses on his Facebook page. I'm friends I'm friends with Freddie. Mm -hmm. Well, now it's easy for me to get into your account, and now I can find emails perhaps that look legitimate, and maybe maybe you're involved in the finance of of your company. Well, now I can start requesting payments through bank transactions, and I can start sending letterheads that look formal, and I start getting money from potentially your customers to my bank account, even though the intention would be to your business's bank account. So that's actually where a lot of those attacks come from, and, and it's, it's even happened locally. It happens quite often. And the, the best way to protect yourself from those kinds of things are uh, spam filtering, being correct, 
you know, being able to handle email that does come in and letting the user know that it is a suspicious email that you, you quite often see an email that says, this is from an external sender when you reply back to somebody. Their mail system is actually saying, this didn't come from somebody in our organization. It originated outside of our email server. Please be on the lookout of anything suspicious. And, you know, I've always, I, I like to play sports when I was a kid and I had this uh, saying where your team is only as good as your weakest link. And it seems like a lot of these attackers, they're, they're blasting these emails and text messages out, searching for the company's weakest link because that's the foot in the door. You know, how do you, as a leader in your company or you're maybe a small business owner, or you're running a small uh, propane company out there, how do you go about educating your staff to kind of teach them and and show them because this isn't something that we were ever taught in school growing up you know this is definitely something that's that's been just over the last even 10 years becoming more rampant how would you suggest people out there in the world start educating their users their employees on how to how to catch some of this and what to be careful of right there's actually uh vendors out there that provide tools to do such things uh, but as you said, times have changed in the information that they're collecting about these scams, phishing scams, phony emails, or, or malicious emails. Uh, they're, they're collecting that information in databases, building AI on it, and then they're actually using tools to train users on them, as well as test them. So you as a company owner can say, I'm going to pay a relatively nominal fee to this vendor and say, I want you to send a simulated email or something that looks very... Uh, formal and real and maybe even pertains to my business so it you know we're in the propane industry maybe it says something about hey here's a, a a new customer has some questions about this or they need to pay their invoice and this is coming from that test company that you're you're paying for their expertise and, and training material on and they maybe send it to a particular department in your company or maybe everybody and they find out who clicks on the link because everybody gets a unique link if Freddie clicks on the link they say, okay, Freddie maybe needs some additional training. Do you want to pay for that training? And how long do you want him to be trained on it? Maybe Kyle didn't click on the email. He passes. That's great. But maybe you'll get tested in six weeks again. So they can kind of keep you on top of always thinking about these malicious attackers or somebody trying to get into your system. So it's a relatively nominal fee, but it's actually a quite common tactic for most business owners now to say, I want to train these people because it is time consuming. It's expensive to train people how to not click on an email, especially if it's from a compromised account. Maybe maybe your, um, your, your neighbor in the office next to you had their email compromised. You have no idea. And so their, their email actually might be sending you something legitimate and you might click on that Excel document mm -hmm that has a script or a macro running in it, and it's now taken possession of your machine and it's giving access to the attacker from the outside world, and they really have the ability to do whatever they want, and that's where ransomware starts to come in and do damage to your infrastructure. Uh, they, they start locking things down with encryption keys, and then they say, okay, now I need $5,000, or maybe I need 15 Bitcoin, and depending on the day Bitcoin is, it might be really expensive. So you so, talked a lot about um, how to educate a company or employees, right? I actually started bringing this home and I just had a conversation with the superintendent at our high school about educating students because with social media, emails on phones, texting on phones, you know, now they're getting text messages from themselves saying that you're paying on time. Here's a link to click on to get your free reward. 
my son just approached me on that and he's 14. I so, really want a $100 Amazon gift card. Should yeah. I be clicking on those links? I, I think we should. I, I could I, use a $100 gift card. And that, that's, what, that's what really makes it you know, enticing is a little bit of money. You, know, you, you often do see legitimate emails where if you watch a course, a training course, or fill out a survey, you do get a $30 gift card. That is quite common. But on the flip side, a lot of those are scams too because they're trying to get you to say maybe yes to a phone conversation and they just need that yes from you to say, okay, now you're getting signed up for something else or maybe you're getting added to another calling list and now they're going to infiltrate you with, with more information because now they know you are a person that they're expecting to pick up the phone and respond or whatever it might be. And your your phone provider does have tools to prevent them but it's always a, a moving target, so they have to stay on top of it. And the more you can report it, the better it gets. But it's you know it's really hard to stay ahead of an attacker because they're always looking for that hole. Gotcha. So, who, if our listeners out there are listening to this and they're really interested in it, we don't want to name names out there because, like you said, it, it's an ever-changing environment. We don't want to give them a name now. Somebody listens to this three months down the line, everything's changed. That company's no longer accredited source to go and do some of these testings you asked you know who would they reach out to here at rcc or, or even what research they could do you know who would they reach out to to get some of that information to say yes i do want to start testing my employees and going through that that kind of testing and phases to see if my company is where i think they're they're supposed to be at in their knowledge right and you know to, to be honest a lot of times it is dependent on your geographic area more rural areas um, might have a, a difficult time finding somebody locally, but the more often you, you, you're looking for a, a vendor to handle that sort of thing, you can find managed service providers that offer that sort of unique solution. They can actually come in and work with you, design a plan, and actually hire that vendor for you, and they kind of play that liaison between your employees and the vendor, and they'll be that, that middleman so they understand your infrastructure, but at the same time, you're getting the results that you want. So you, it, a lot, it often comes down to working with a, a local managed service provider, whether it's training for IT or even you know configuring your infrastructure so that it does work properly. So for our conspiracy theorists out there, is there any of those services that you've heard going awry where somebody comes in and tries to, they, they market that they're going to protect you? And, you know, we're talking about about phishing and scams and things like that. And if I go out, and I'm a Google user, if I go in there and I start Googling uh, people that will test my employees to help see if I'm a set company against virus protection, have you heard of any scams of companies doing things like that? I, I can't say I've looked for scams, but... You know, if there's if there's money to be made, somebody's trying to scam you. So that's that, that's always something to keep in the back of your mind. If there's money to be made, there's you know there's always somebody on the flip side looking for a way to get in. Uh, so I'm sure they are out there. But it also requires due diligence on just about anything that you buy. Start looking at reviews. Are they legitimate reviews? Do they look kind of artificial, or maybe they were a paid review or whatever it might be? So it does require some online research and also interviewing that vendor, calling them up and saying, Hey, what do you offer? Can you show me a demo of what you do? What do the results look like? So I know. What I'm getting when I pay for it before you're doing all the questionnaires and filling out Absolutely. your information online, definitely give them a call. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about passwords. Um, I hear a lot of people say that they reuse their password for everything, and the problem with that is once somebody hacks somebody's Facebook account, now they have an email address and a password that links into banks, credit cards, loans. I mean, what's a recommendation you have for? companies out there to promote the safety of password keeping 
password keeping has has also changed just as much as cybersecurity in general. And there are a lot of tools that you can use on a personal device as well as a business use case. So in your own infrastructure, you can require users to make a password change every, say, 30, 60, or 90 days. And it can't be the last password that you use, so you can't just flip between two or three passwords. You can make it very unique. Um, and, and you can have it also involve, okay, it can't have your first name or your last name, uh, things that are familiar so anybody that's trying to guess your password doesn't just have to go through what they call a dictionary attack and, and use a, a basic list of Freddy Riddler and maybe some numbers or the city you were born or the city you live. So they, they use that as a dictionary attack that looks really common. So changing a password's common. Uh, commonly is, is recommended, but at the same time, very unique passwords per website or per application. Uh, there are tools to manage that because it can really be cumbersome to try to remember 50 or 60 different passwords, one for the bank account, one for the school, one for the kids' accounts, things like that. So I highly suggest using a password manager. There are lots of them out there. Bitwarden is a fairly common one. LastPass, I'm sure many people have, have their own preference. So um, I highly suggest using those, and they actually have a built-in password generator. So you can say, okay, here's my Facebook password password, generate a new password. When I sign up, I save that password on the website. And it also keeps password history for you in these tools too. So it says, okay, this is your last five passwords. So you don't try to keep reusing them. So those tools are quite often used for when you have a lot of passwords and they can be used in a business use case as well. Uh, but like I said, requiring passwords to be changed quite often helps prevent people from using those dictionary attacks. And it gives that ability to um, to kind of be a little bit more mobile with the security because quite often what we find is security gets compromised when you have a password for too long and nobody knows that somebody has compromised your password. So maybe they did a dictionary attack and they have your password today, but they might be monitoring your emails or your system for six months to try to gather information to see who they can scam based on who you know. So that's, that's part of why that password requirement is in place to make it make you change it so that the attacker can't get access to information for more than a very short time and you know there's there are always ways to get through security and, and that comes down to a lot of the software holes that we've seen online in the last six months the the log4j java hole that came out in december that, that was known in december um, impacted a lot of companies out there and those are the kinds of things that you're, you're always on the lookout for, but there are also tools that help mitigate that. They do risk assessment and they monitor all of your endpoints in the office. So what they do is they, they attach to the system that keeps telemetry data to say, okay, this, this mobile laptop might be moving across the country. It shows who, who is using it, what it's doing. And if you know that that machine is moving across the country, maybe the sales team has a convention down in the Southeast, you know where that laptop is it looks correct, but maybe the laptop gets stolen and it starts heading west. Okay, it says something is unique about this. This wasn't supposed to change or this is not correct. It's not supposed to connect up to Wi-Fi networks. We've got a rule that says no Wi-Fi is, is accessible other than perhaps the RCC Wi-Fi. Well, if that hooks up to something, the EDR system, which is an endpoint detection and response tool says, based on this rule, somebody has connected to Wi-Fi, I'm gonna notify the IT department and say, shut that system down. It's no longer accessible. It basically bricks the machine. So it's not operable. It locks everything down. They can't access data with whatever they want. Uh, so there are actually tools out there that always are collecting data. And based on the rules that you set, will notify you and you can handle how you want. Mitigate, mitigate the risk, perhaps shutting the system down or removing the malware if it's relatively minor. Cool. Uh, there, there's also tools out there that 
allow you to protect your, your own infrastructure in terms of blocking bad websites, whether it's a DNS lookup, which Cloudflare actually has family uh, accessible DNS lookups. So you, you want to prevent things that are for, for mature ages, things like that. You actually can just make a small change on your home router and it prevents those those websites from being accessed. And they have, like I said, they have family safe or child safe sorts of things, uh, makes it friendly for everybody. And they're actually quite often used in a business as well because you want the same sort of safety for, for people in your office because there there is just a lot of malicious websites out there. So, you know, the, the one thing that keeps me awake at night with security and everything that's going out there, you know, if somebody wants to know what I ate for dinner last night, fine, go for it. Hack my text messages. By the way, I just had uh, Max's Grill last night. It was delicious, by the way. So my the thing that keeps me awake at night really is the ransomware attacks. The somebody out there that's clicking on a link, downloading this ransomware, and it, it's a very scary thing to me that any number of our users using our system can click on any random link, and all of a sudden their entire computer is locked down. That's their data. That That is your business that they are hijacking away from you and trying to keep that from you for a set number of, of dollar value. You know, how do users, what are some things that they can use as tools to really say, first of all, if they get it, how do I get back up as quickly as I possibly can? What do I do if I realize I got one in order to save and preserve as much as I can before it gets too far into my system? And, you know, maybe what are the benefits or, or ways to mitigate that risk like our cloud and other things like that? So preventing uh, those risks or those those ransomware attacks or whether somebody has clicked on a link or whatever it might be, some of those are dependent on some of the tools that you install, but it also depends on the end user to be honest. The, the, the worst thing you can do is lie about clicking on something. Don't lie about it. We all make mistakes. That's okay. But we want to prevent the worst disaster from happening. So notifying your IT department or whether it's an RCC infrastructure that you're familiar with, um, notifying us right away so that we can take steps to make sure that it doesn't go beyond what has already happened is the most important thing to do. We, 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 want, we want to get ahead of the system or the attack, but we, we can't do that unless we know about it. And by the time we usually know about it, it's too late for everything to, to be safe. Then we're in the, the process of restoring from backups, which actually goes into how do you store your backups. And our cloud infrastructure is actually configured in a way that uh, we have nightly backups as well as a, a real-time replication. So we have what you could say is, a, is an air-gapped backup happening as well as, okay, maybe the building disappears overnight from Mother Nature. We can restore that infrastructure up in another area or another region of the country in a matter of a few minutes. So having that ability allows that ease of that, that peace of mind, that ease of use to say, Okay, things can happen, but we're relatively short downtime. Uh, we can we can make that up here in, in a very short time span. Give us a call, you know, if you have any concerns about what kind of downtime that might look like when you're using a cloud infrastructure. We can describe the process, but it's relatively simple. So that's actually a huge advantage to to having that that backup system in place and that real time replication. Again, it allows you to expect the unexpected and be able to work seamlessly. So. so I shouldn't just hit my computer with a hammer if I click on the wrong link? No, and, and actually I highly suggest um, notifying, if you do intend to, to 
beat the computer with a hammer. <laughs> Uh, that that you have uh, that you have notified somebody if something does go terribly wrong because like I said we, we all make a mistake and we, we just want to correct the issue and move on with our day and, and it's business as usual but um, when we have to try to recover from a disaster and not know what happened or not know that you clicked on something it makes it more difficult so having the tools in place actually prevents a lot of that from happening yeah uh, notifying any tech department is scary because you guys are a little intimidating that's for sure very intimidating. <laughs> Well, and, and a lot of times what we deal with, is it sounds scary and it, it can be scary and it can be daunting, but it's still business and you yeah. can lose your business if you lose your data. So you have to be proactive. Yeah. Well, thank you, Justin. Thank you for uh, joining Kyle and I um, on the podcast. Um, a lot of great information. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And uh, if you have questions out there, if you have questions for RCC or our own infrastructure, or if you just have questions in general about backups or whatever it might be, feel free to give us a call and uh, we'll handle any questions that you you can throw at us. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Justin. Thank you for joining Kyle and Freddie's podcast, Fuel the Conversation. A podcast for fuel people by fuel people. We really hope you enjoyed today's topics and you found them interesting. And we hope that you pulled some value out of our conversation today. To hear more podcasts from Kyle, myself, and special guests, you can catch us on Spotify, Amazon Music, or the iTunes Store. To find out more information on RCC, you can visit our website, www.rccbi.com. You can also find us on Facebook under Rural Computer Consultants, also under LinkedIn under Rural Computer Consultants, or go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter at RCCInc79. If you'd like to contact us directly, email us at sales at rccbi.com. This is Kyle signing off. And this is Freddie. Until next time.